Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Seems Like Diet Culture podcast, or welcome back if you have been here before. If you are new, my name is Mallory Page, and I am a registered dietitian and the host of this podcast, which I created because I wanted a space to be able to discuss a non-diet perspective for things like nutrition, fitness, wellness, current events, ED recovery, and more. A lot of what you see out there around these topics is very written with diet culture, and this is the typical kind of default perspective. So I hope that this podcast provides you with a different perspective so that you can decide what works best for you. I'm very excited for this particular episode for a few reasons. Number one, I feel like it's been too long since we've done a recovery-specific episode. Number two, I love talking about recovery accounts and the state of recovery accounts on Instagram because this is such a prevalent part of the recovery journey for so many people, and I know it was for me. Number three, I'm hoping that we may have a few new listeners because I was at Fincy this past weekend, which if you're unfamiliar with what that is, it's a food and nutrition conference, especially for dietitians. It's actually the biggest one that we have. And at this conference, I had a booth where I talked about the podcast, I talked about Live Unrestricted for Practitioners, I got to meet a bunch of you guys, and it was such a blast. I specifically went to talk about Live Unrestricted for Practitioners, which, if you're unfamiliar with that, it's my 16-week program specifically designed for professionals and students that are wanting to break into the non-diet space to help their clients have transformative results no matter where they're at, but especially if they're struggling with their relationship to food and body image. So this is something that gives you all the tools that you need to really break into working with those clientele to be more competitive for jobs where you may need a haze non-diet perspective and also to learn this information that you don't learn in school as a dietitian at all. There are also so many other amazing aspects to the program, like a community that you get to have of other people that feel the same, multidisciplinary approach because therapists and other positions can join into the group along with dietitians and students, and so much more. But I don't want to go on and on. If you want more information on this, and if you want to get in during our discounted period before the price goes up indefinitely, this is the time to apply. And all you have to do is click the link in the show notes, fill out a short application, book a free consult that you'll get to have with me, and we'll just chat about if it's a good fit. There's never any pressure to join. I'll explain all about the program, different pricing options, and make sure that it feels good to you. So really excited about this next round. Please reach out with questions. But it's interesting because even being at Fancy made me reflect on how and why I got started as a dietitian. You can hear more about this specific story I'm going to allude to in my very first episodes about my recovery journey. But essentially, I went into the field of dietetics because I was struggling with my relationship with food, but I didn't know. And at the time, I had an Instagram, and I was sharing what I would call disordered meals and recipes, but they didn't really appear that way because Instagram wasn't as in-depth as it is now. I mean, you were just throwing up a picture, and then people would see it. There were no stories. There was barely even comments. So... I just feel like it was such a different world, but that account, when I went through my recovery journey, did actually transition into 
more of a recovery account. I wouldn't say a full-blown recovery account, but that's something that definitely shaped my journey. And in going through this topic today where we're answering the question, should you start a recovery account? I do think it's important to acknowledge the bias that not only did I have somewhat of a recovery account that I posted on at points in my journey, I also now share about how to recover and heal your relationship with food. So I think it's good to acknowledge that bias in my opinions and thoughts. But as always with this episode, I'm really just going to try to present both perspectives so that you can decide if starting a recovery account would be something you would want to do. Because as I'm sure all of you guys have probably seen, you know, pro-eating disorder or disordered eating accounts online are very prevalent, even if they don't necessarily market themselves as this. You know, this includes people trying to sell you weight loss supplements or encourage unhealthy or restrictive behaviors. And I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen posts like this before or accounts like this before. But there is also another side of social media now that is filled with these pro-recovery accounts. And instead of thinspiration posts or macro counting or any other glamorized assorted eating behavior, recovery accounts actually show the hard but rewarding work of getting better and healing your relationship with food. And these accounts can function as a food journal or documentation of the process from disordered eating to a healthier way of life or any other number of things. And they can include recipes, progress photos. They may even be educational, which I'll get into that later in the episode. But even though these accounts are public, they really do share a very deeply personal and intimate journey. And each individual that is going through this has varying experiences and many people can see those accounts and then think, oh, well, maybe I should make these type of accounts, especially because they see the community or the comments or they see the way that this could help to hold them accountable. But I think it's really important to ask yourself if this will actually work for you and to talk about the pros and cons because of how it can impact your recovery. So we're breaking all of this down in this episode. And I really want to emphasize with this before I go into it that I am not trying to tell you if you should or should not start one of these accounts. This is a deeply personal decision, but I don't think I've ever found a podcast that specifically discussed this topic. And it's something I know that clients in Live Unrestricted actually do face as well. So I want to be able to just dive into this more deeply and any experience that you've had with a recovery account, whether you've made one, you've interacted with one, or anything in between, just know that that is valid and understandable and that perspective is something that is important for you to be able to hold and to have. So I actually want to start off with the pros of starting a recovery account. The first thing is the online eating disorder recovery community can provide you with a really wonderful sense of community and this feeling of knowing that you are not alone. Eating disorders are so inherently isolating and so is disordered eating. And these things can often pull you away from loved ones, friends, family, partner, 
Because you are so consumed with food, your body, calories, binges, numbers, exercise, whatever symptoms or specific things your disorder entails. And when someone decides that they want to recover, they might feel as though they don't have many people to turn to because they've driven loved ones away or they have stopped doing the hobbies and the things that they loved during the course of their struggles. And so this time is not only crucial in the sense that someone is finally wanting to take a step forward, but also crucial in the sense that many people need that support and now are looking for it and can't find it. So this recovery account community, ED recovery community, can be a place where people seek out these new relationships and remember how powerful the feeling of connection can be and find people that really understand them. Now, for people that do still have a large network of friends and family, they may still feel isolated in the recovery process as well because loved ones don't necessarily understand what this is like. It's hard to fully understand something that you haven't gone through. And I also know that some people have parents or friends that are still struggling in their own disordered eating or dieting or eating disorder journeys. And so talking to them about this stuff may make it even worse. And being able to have someone that you message that just inherently understands what you're going through is extremely impactful. From personal experience of running Live Unrestricted and having close to 200 women go through this program, we continuously see that the group element of the program is such an important piece of it because of how it helps people to feel so much less isolated and alone in their specific struggles that other people may not be able to relate to. There was actually an article from the Washington Post that explained that the online recovery space gives people who may lack support in their real lives a community. And they stated that it's not uncommon for people who are struggling with an eating disorder to come from a tumultuous home life or to lack support in their personal lives. And oftentimes this is actually what triggers the ED or the disordered eating in the first place. So if you don't feel like you have people in real life to turn to, maybe your friends and family actually are your biggest triggers, then having this community of people that get it and are supportive can change the trajectory of your life. Now, a second pro to creating a recovery account is that social media, especially TikTok and Instagram, has a lot of great resources that can provide education and explanation for things that one may experience during recovery or even debunk health myths that people often take at face value that are not truly accurate. Some examples of this would be post-debunking BMI as a measure of health or explaining that 10,000 steps was a marketing campaign and not a legitimate step count minimum. These are so crucial to really combating diet culture, especially for those that are struggling with any type of eating disorder that is fueled by facts or logic because this helps them to really push against the type of standards they may feel like they need to have for themselves. And some of you guys may be thinking, well, can't you get that from a dietitian or from your support team? And the answer is yes, but I think the thing that's different about what I'm saying for social media specifically is that number one, 
Most people are still interacting with social media to some extent during their recovery, so following accounts that are sharing this information can help to reinforce what a recovery team or dietitian is saying. Number two, not everybody can afford to get support. So some people genuinely have to go on the internet and try to find information that can support them through their recovery or in debunking these things that are really holding them back. So this can be really important for people to get to see. You know, for myself, I didn't have the traditional type of support that I really wish I had had. And there were so many different things that I experienced that were really confusing to me. One particular struggle that I've talked about is gut health and bloating. So I had gotten really far in my recovery and felt like I was kind of getting towards the end where I really thought I was going to be able to just fully recover. And then I started to experience debilitating gut health issues. I feel like mine were a little bit further along than some other people's recovery journeys. And the challenge of that was I I didn't understand that that was happening because of my restriction. I thought I was doing something wrong with food, so therefore I needed to change the way I was eating to fix my gut health, and that cycle just kept me so stuck. And it wasn't until, unfortunately, months later when I listened to a podcast that explained to me that gut health was actually a symptom of an eating disorder and disordered eating that it clicked and I stopped engaging in these restrictive types of behaviors around gut health. So that's just an example from my personal experience. And again, I talk about this more in my kind of episode that speaks to my journey, but there are so many renditions of what I just said that I'm sure you guys can relate to, whether it be extreme hunger or weird cravings or trying to understand if you're binging or not binging. All of those things, having answers to those questions can feel so integral at that point in time. And also education posts on social media can be utilized to support the loved ones of people with eating disorders better as well, and even to understand how to help them and support them. You know, if you've never known someone well who's had an eating disorder or is in recovery, it's really daunting and scary to try to support someone. You may want to help, but you might not even know where to begin, or you might be worried that you're going to make things worse. And having these resources online that are free and easily accessible can make such a huge difference. Because sometimes, even if you want a loved one to understand something about your eating disorder, you don't know how to convey it. And it's easier to just send them a post or a podcast or something to help them to understand that experience and also so that you don't have to spend all that emotional energy trying to explain it. The third thing in the recovery community that ties to the educational post I just mentioned is that it can teach you new coping skills. This may seem so basic, but you can get so many different book recommendations, new hobby ideas, breathing techniques, etc. from social media. You know, when your eating disorder takes over your entire life and it's something that you eat and sleep and breathe, it's hard to begin the recovery process because this struggle feels like it's attached to your identity. 
and therefore you have to somewhat reinvent or at least modify your identity and figure out what it is outside of these things, whether it be being sick or being the fit friend or being the healthy friend or anything else. I mean, life, especially as a young adult, but honestly at any point of your life, is already scary enough when you're trying to navigate who you are. But then when you have to question the identity that you've built for so many years and slowly but surely take that apart and reinvent it or put it back together in a different way, I mean, it's just a whole other level of challenge. And so having a recovery community online that can give you ideas of how to replace the things that you're doing with healthier things or give you an understanding of why coping with things in a different way is so important and how to face challenges that may feel so daunting. It's really helpful. And I honestly want to do an entire episode specifically about the importance of coping mechanisms in recovery, especially the role that they have in breaking quasi-recovery and propelling someone into full recovery. So if you're interested in that topic, let me know. It's something we talk about in Live Unrestricted extensively, and it is truly one of the most forgotten yet impactful steps within the healing journey. So just having that in this space is something that can transform someone's lives. Life. Now, number four, the online ED recovery space may be the only way that some people can get access to treatment and treatment providers. I feel like we've already been hitting on this with so many of the points we've said, but treatment is expensive. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. There is no way around it. Even if you do have insurance, it's so expensive and Even if they're ideal, it doesn't mean they're plausible. So the free resources that people can have then on a recovery account can make a really big difference. And to tie into that, accountability is another great piece of a recovery account. This accountability can be in whatever area you may need, whether that's eating the number of meals you need in a day, trying a fear food challenge, not exercising, implementing new coping mechanisms, etc. I mean, eating disorders create really unhealthy habits, and so does dieting, and so does disordered eating, and the way that we switch these patterns is by repetitive action and positive, consistent behaviors. So having something that helps to support that, especially if you can't afford a higher level of help, is really impactful. There was actually a study done on people who shared their recovery on social media, and 83% of participants in this study said that the sense of accountability provided by their post helped them to stay on track. The other thing that is really great about a recovery account is how it can help someone to dip their toe into the idea of recovery and potentially even get motivation from others to keep going. I mean, the whole idea of the traditional recovery process is pretty overwhelming for many people and sometimes there need to be different forms of support to help to, you know, push you through that or push you to take action. And this can be one of those, especially for people that may not feel like they are the stereotypical image of an eating disorder or disordered eating, which is another pro 
to having a recovery account or even being a part of the recovery community, you know, a lot of people that we see in movies and shows and even that are talked about within the recovery community all have this certain specific look. And yet, eating disorders and disordered eating, it doesn't have a look at all. And we've talked about this on this podcast before, but many people that are struggling with eating disorders live in larger bodies, are men, are people of color, are in the LGBTQ plus community. And every single one of these people deserves to be validated in their recovery experience. And being a part of the recovery community can provide you with seeing people with those experiences, but also having your own account may bring people to you that have had similar experiences. So as I've gone through this pros section, I've kind of swapped between explaining the benefits of the recovery community in and of itself and the benefits of having your own recovery account, but I think they're both pertinent here because ultimately, whether you are questioning starting a recovery account or you are questioning being even a part of the recovery community, these things are all things that you should keep in mind. So to summarize those pros, the community, the education experiences, the accountability, the ability to see other people with similar experiences to you, the free resources, and the connection points are all huge pros to having a recovery account or engaging in a recovery account. And you can probably hear as well as I go through those, based off which resonate most with you, what way you may want to interact with recovery accounts. Maybe if you hear a lot of those and think, oh, I just really want the education, free resources, ability to see other people that have similar experiences to me, you may not feel like you need to make a recovery account to get those things. On the flip side, You may feel like if you want accountability, ability to communicate with people that are in similar spaces to you, and also the community element that can come along with having your own account, you may feel like you want to or are questioning the creation of the recovery account. So in that case, I think it's important for us to also go through the cons that can come up because although there are a lot of positives that can come along with creating a recovery account and joining this community online, There are also a lot of negatives as well, and I've spoken about these in past episodes. I will include a link to some of the episodes where we talk about the recovery community in the show notes, but in this episode, it's also the case that there are things that can be really harmful in the recovery community, and that's what I want to go over, starting off with the fact that when you create a recovery account, it makes you very vulnerable to cruel and triggering comments from people. I mean, trolls are rampant online, and unfortunately, they don't really care about hurting people oftentimes, or even if they do care, they may not realize that they're being so harmful. And this is especially challenging for people that are struggling with their relationship with food and body image or an eating disorder because this is a really sensitive time for people you know, your mindsets are changing, your habits are changing, your body may even be changing. This brings up a ton of emotions. And, you know, eating disorders or disordered habits are a major way of actually coping with emotions. And so bringing all of these emotions up while then also being more vulnerable to criticism from people is 
risky and challenging and you never know when a video you post can get on the wrong side of Instagram or TikTok, even potentially into a pro ED space. And then next thing you know, you have all of these people that could be saying extremely detrimental things that really make you want to go backwards or have you rethinking everything in your recovery. And so that to me is a huge aspect that you need to keep in mind if you are remotely interested in creating a recovery account. Now, with that being said, you could create a private recovery account so you can only have certain people following it. The only issue with that is it can be harder to find other people in the same community as you and have them follow you. It would probably more easily be people in your life that you know that would be following you. And so that does kind of bring up the same issue that we were talking about earlier about community, especially if you don't have a ton of people in your life that are able to give you that support. Now, the second thing that comes up with recovery accounts is competition. There are so many different ways that competition can look in the recovery community. There can be the competition of who's sicker. There can be the competition of who's recovering more quickly. There can be the competition between how people look. And it can be both intentional and unintentional. One of the things that we looked at when generating this episode was actually a Reddit thread that discusses ED recovery accounts. And I want to preface with the fact that Reddit is by no means some evidence-based resource that you want to look to to get facts. It is completely an opinion place, and I would never suggest going to that to get reputable ideas about topics. But the way that we use Reddit in this sense was to get different opinions on ED recovery accounts and also to just gather some of the sometimes problematic behavior that can happen in ED recovery accounts. So, for example, within the space of competition around who is quote-unquote sicker in their struggles that can be disguised as a recovery account, there were some different trends that were brought up in Reddit. One, for example, was what I eat in a day videos, especially those that involve body checks and that have disclaimers such as for inspiration but don't compare posts. A lot of people on Reddit were discussing how upsetting these are because of the fact that, number one, it's obvious that people are going to compare to what you're eating because you are a recovery account and so therefore people watching are more susceptible to comparison. Number two, it's really hard not to get into that competitive mindset as someone that struggles with an eating disorder when you see someone else eating a certain amount. And even if you can logically tell yourself, you know, they have different goals than me and different um, starting points and different challenges and habits, it doesn't always mean that you can really feel that. It feels still like this emotional experience to see someone share so specifically what they are eating. Plus, there's this whole extra challenge of the fact that you don't even know exactly what someone does eat in a day, and unfortunately, certain recovery accounts could be lying. They could be adding more to their meal than what they're actually eating. They could be eating less than what they're saying. And so, that in and of itself also makes it so confusing because 
you could be comparing unintentionally to something that's not even real. And this, again, could spur that desire for competition or wanting to feel like you are that sicker one. And this connects again to what I was saying about the other form of competition, which is who looks a certain way and that competition based off of the look that someone has. Although recovery spaces can be really helpful in the fact that maybe someone's body changing can feel like a motivation, it can also feel like it goes in the opposite direction. You know, someone sharing their recovery that has kind of consistently stayed in the same body or has a body that is quite in line with the stereotype of someone in a very small body, this can undermine other people's feeling of being sick enough and can have this desire to get to that place that someone else is in or to almost compete to be able to look that way. And that's the challenge is how often could someone's desire to actually pursue recovery then be stunted because they find themselves competing with someone else even though they were trying to follow them because they wanted to recover. And this is especially challenging if you get into a relationship with this person. You know, maybe you consider yourself acquaintances or friends, and so it can feel even harder to break apart from that person. And this specifically connects to the idea of before and after photos as well. I've done a whole episode on before and after photos, but these are really common in the ED recovery space, and they can often really create this competition because people with eating disorders can feel a lot of pressure to have a certain type of look, or they can feel like they failed if they haven't achieved a certain look within their eating disorder. And even though we know eating disorders don't have a look, it can still be this subconscious or kind of back of the mind type of thought that comes up. So that type of post can trigger this type of comparison. And that is something that you'll see a lot from people online that talk about this stuff. There are also people that may not relate to an after photo of someone in recovery. You know, we are talking about how people in all different types of bodies struggle with eating disorders and with disordered eating. And so having this recovery account and posting your journey and then seeing other people posting their journeys, but their end result looks so different than yours can be super hard. And I mean, we could go into as well the fact that a lot of people posting their after photos are maybe not even truly at their after. They may still be struggling or just in a place that isn't really what's best for their body but they're posting as if they are recovered. On the flip side, I do think that it's important to mention, as I said, that competition can also be around who's recovering the best. So who's gaining weight more quickly, who's conquering more fear foods, who can create the most educational, helpful posts, who has a bigger following. I mean, the people that often struggle with disordered eating, I know myself included, can be very competitive and very driven. And that can be a great thing, but in these cases, it can also be a challenging thing. And 
when you have that type of competitive mindset or very driven personality and then you put it into an account, it can be hard not to feel these certain pressures about how the account is performing or about how you are recovering and feeling like you're questioning if that's good enough or just comparing your journey to someone else. Now, the third thing that I'll mention is identity. So for some people, being in the process of recovery rather than being recovered actually does become an identity. We talked about just the difficulty of figuring out your identity in and of itself, but especially when you struggle with an eating disorder. And so when you make a recovery account, there can be this challenging time where you feel like your identity shifts from being an ED or from struggling with food to and body image to actually recovering. But the end goal of recovering is to reach full recovery. And so there can be this weird moment where you almost don't want to let go of recovering. And when you have a recovery account, that makes it much harder because your audience could be used to you sharing in this way and you could feel like your friends are still in a different place in their journeys of recovery. And all of this stuff can make you really want to hold on to this account and to this recovering process. And so when you have that added pressure, it can make this transition much harder. There was actually someone on Reddit that talked about this and pointed out that once they committed committed to full recovery, it made them realize that recovery accounts are actually being made by actively sick people for actively sick people. And if that account has been around for years, seemingly making no progress, then what does that really mean about that person's recovery and if this account is really helpful for them? This Redditor also made note of the fact that it was super helpful for them to see certain accounts that actually genuinely did move on from this recovering phase into full recovery. And another person replied that they feel like if they had made their entire recovery process public, it would have delayed them excessively because just thinking about constantly having to post instead of constantly living their best life and pursuing recovery would be super detrimental to them. As someone that had a account that talked somewhat about recovery after originally starting from disordered eating and then had to transition into sharing that I was fully recovered, I definitely understand how challenging this can be. I never felt like I had a re- an account that was totally about my recovery journey. I mean, I shared a few things, but that wasn't really my main purpose. And even then, I remember experiencing a lot of turmoil and stress around the idea of sharing that I was fully recovered. I both felt guilty in the sense of feeling like I wish I could help other people and that there could be people seeing this that they then would judge themselves and their journey and their timeline. I also felt this worry that maybe people wouldn't think I was relatable anymore or they wouldn't want to follow me. And all of those things came up for me when my account wasn't even recovery focused. And so I can't even imagine what it would be like for someone that has a true recovery account. And also, I had it so much easier because years later, I actually ended up helping people that were dealing with disordered eating and their struggles with food. 
And so I think that there was a point where I could then serve that population and that made it feel easier, but not everybody's going to go that same route because I had the training as a dietitian and not everybody does. And so that in and of itself can also be a really challenging thing to, to deal with. The next thing that I want to mention about recovery accounts that can be extremely challenging is relapse. You know, what happens is someone that you follow or may even look up to relapses. And what happens if you end up going through a relapse or you have a time where you don't feel comfortable sharing it all about your recovery? I mean, recovery is not linear. There are good days. There are bad days. And everyone experiences that. And when someone else has this type of relapse, if they don't share carefully, there's always a risk that this could trigger you. And it can make you feel like you need to start restricting or that you need to start doing X, Y, and Z habit that they're sharing or that you want to compete with that body type that they're falling back into. And what if you did happen to be struggling when you're the one with a recovery account and you feel this pressure about well, should I share honestly and potentially trigger someone or should I lie and pretend I'm doing fine? I mean, a big part of eating disorders in and of of themselves is shame and secrecy. And so if you have a following of people, you may feel embarrassed or ashamed or even just confused about what to share and admit that is really going on in your recovery. And you even may just grapple with, even if you're not in a relapse state, what is helpful to share for yourself and what's helpful to share for others. Moreover, there are many social media recovery accounts that are actually displaying some form of restriction. We see this a lot in the exercise to fitness obsessed pipeline. I've talked about this before in a past episode, but it's really not uncommon for people in recovery to gain weight, quote-unquote, as long as it's muscle and think that this is full recovery. You know, many of these people count calories or macros but do it for the gains and they're still obsessed with clean eating and exercise and they act as if this is full recovery but really it's, it's not. It's a transfer of control and it is not truly what full recovery looks like and again, I have an episode on this that I talk about it more but I also noticed this was one of the big topics that came up in this Reddit thread. Someone wrote, I'm noticing a lot of these quote-unquote trainers on IG who claim to have recovered from an ED. They give fitness tips in their posts, talk about their clients, and recap their workouts and what they ate. The problem is they still look as if they undereat and overexercise, and all of the gym selfies are just body texts and opportunities to show off their followers. Now, of course, we don't know how someone is doing or if they've recovered based off how their body looks. But this does highlight some of these scary pieces of someone taking clients, even if they may not be recovered, or someone that may not be recovered posting as if they are. And it really speaks to this gray area between a pro-ED account and an ED recovery account. Because a lot of the time, Instagram can accidentally promote ED recovery content as to pro-ED people and or vice versa. So you may create an account wanting to find an ED recovery community and then get fed a ton of pro-ED accounts and this can make you feel super stuck. 
There was actually a Washington Post article that talked about this, and it said, There are risks posed by algorithms themselves, which don't do well with nuance, sometimes lumping together eating disorder recovery content with weight loss or wellness content or even pro-eating disorder posts. I see this kind of contradictory mishmash on my own Discover page, which puts body acceptance posts besides infographics of 12 zero-carb foods. This can be triggering for those in recovery. I think the hard thing is just when lines are so blurred like this, it can make it challenging to ingest this content, but also challenging to figure out when you're actually posting something that's helpful to you and to someone else. And this brings me to the last con with recovery accounts is there is so much awful recovery advice online including but not limited to weighing yourself, measuring body parts, counting calories during weight restoration, and so much more. And these things aren't helpful towards your recovery. They're just another form of control. And social media doesn't have a moderator overseeing this stuff and saying what is credible and what's not. And anyone can post anything and then you could become very affected by an account or look up to someone a lot And they could be giving this advice and you could wonder if you need to take it. And on the flip side, if you're posting your own content, you may be constantly questioning if something you're sharing is actually helpful or if it's actually harmful, especially if you don't have a dietitian or a team that is guiding you. And then that can make you feel guilty if you post something and it's not helpful to someone else or it can put more stress on you. And it can just make the whole process quite exhausting and This is especially true if you become quite close friends with anybody online or become acquaintances with certain people online in these spaces. You know, then there's this added social pressure of potentially agreeing with the same things they agree on and following the same mindsets. And what if you feel like one of those mindsets is harmful and now you feel stuck in it? Honestly, there's so much more that we could go through about the pros and the cons of recovery accounts, both in engaging in them and also in creating your own. There is no right answer here. And I really believe that you have to do what feels best for you, especially considering every single one of us has different struggles, different things that motivate us, different things that connect to us. But no matter what, the takeaways and advice that I would give you are as follows. Don't be afraid to unfollow someone that you feel like is doing more harm than good. Even if you feel like they're an acquaintance or a friend, you can always mute that person's account and slowly start to set boundaries. You also should always be intentional with who you do choose to follow. Whether you're creating an account or just following along other people's journeys, you never have an obligation to follow someone. And The people that you follow will have a huge influence on how you feel and what you believe, and that's especially important in recovery. For that reason, I also recommend following a diverse group of influencers. If you only follow people that fit the stereotypical ED mold, and if you only follow people that are just starting their recovery or in quasi-recovery or fully recovered, it may feel isolating for you. And so choosing diverse 
groups of people or diverse influencers to follow and also following people in different spaces, especially including those that are fully recovered, is very important. And within that, I would avoid at all costs accounts that use macros, weights, calories, BMI, etc., because that type of stuff is never going to be supportive to full recovery. If you do choose to make a recovery account, I would just make sure you have a lot of support in place, either personally or if I you can in your circle to make sure that it doesn't become something that's unhealthy for you. I would continuously check in with yourself and see how it's making you feel. I would really ask yourself serious questions about how you would feel if you accidentally negatively affected someone, what posts you will and will not share, what you feel like you want to be fully divulging within your account and what you want to keep private. I would set boundaries around the ways you're going to communicate with others, especially those that have recovery accounts versus those that have followers. I would really get serious with yourself about all of the different things that may come up if you choose to make this decision because once you start it, it can feel really scary in terms of getting out of it and you don't want to go into it without fully evaluating everything that could come about from that decision. So, there's no way to rate this on our seems like diet culture scale today because every recovery account is different, but I hope that this really helped you to evaluate how you're engaging in recovery accounts and whether or not you want to actually create one of these if you've been questioning it. If you have any questions that you have about this or things you want to share or thoughts you want to share, please feel free to reach out. You can both reach out to me via DM on Instagram, which is always linked in the show notes, or submit your thoughts at our contact form, which is always also linked in the show notes. And as always, I so appreciate you being here and listening. And I would love if you shared this with someone that you thought it could benefit or if you left a rating or review if you enjoyed it. But regardless, I'm just appreciative of you being here and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye guys.